0: I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And for our next episode, we are excited to have Jack Morrison, who is a seasoned sales professional in the networking and security space. Jack has sold with some of the most well-known brands in the space, which is actually where we first met. So Jack, uh, welcome to the High Tech Freedom podcast.
1: Thank you, Chris, for inviting me and hello to everyone.
0: And I don't know if I did your background justice. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and your background in tech sales?
1: Absolutely, let's start out with, So everybody knows where this funny accent comes from. I am one of the chosen few from the state of Alabama and I am a roll tighter. I have also, I'm a grizzled veteran of the tech industry uh, with 40 years of experience. I started out in corporate world and decided that I really wanted to explore the freedoms of the the high tech as a supplier. Uh, I'm also one of those individuals who started as a systems engineer and then crossed over as a salesperson. Uh, I've been carrying a quota now for roughly 30 years. and uh, But my experience is very checkered in the sense that I sold mainframes. Uh, I sold mainframe storage. Uh, I've sold uh, open system style storage. Uh, and then I did get into the networking industry, and I've been there the last 20 years, which is, by the way, where I met Chris.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just seems like yesterday, but it was a few years ago. That's correct. So in, in those roles, um, when you look back over your career, was there one particular role that you really enjoyed the most that, you know, had you know, where you had the most positive experience?
1: I get asked that question a lot. and I want to give everybody a little thought that over the 30 years of sales, I've had three different tours where I stayed fairly consistent for around seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, And the reason why I say that is, and Chris, I know you've experienced this in your career. You'll hit a point where the mojo is just right. Uh, You know, where you feel you're at the top of your game, where, you know, where you maximize your earnings and it's never your first year. And most of the time, it's not your second year. It really takes a three year period. So I've had a couple of different experiences where, you know, the timing was right. The product set was right. The skill set was right. And so for that brief period, sometimes 12 months, sometimes 18 months, where it was just, I mean, I couldn't wait to go to work. It was mm-hmm. just a joy to go to work. Uh, it doesn't last forever. My advice to everyone is when you're in that, when you're on the streak, enjoy it, but be aware that it eventually turns into a job. And, uh, and there you get, and then, you know, then you need to think about what's my next step in my career. So I would say it's situational, and it's always a an area where I suggest you invest a bit in your current career, and kind of see where it leads you.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, it's the most successful salespeople that I know. There's lots of things that they do great, um, but one of them that seems consistent is they're always investing in themselves. You know, it's it's you know I have this term lifetime learner, right? If you if you stop learning, you stop growing.
1: Yeah, I I. Uh, invest about four to six hours every week in internal training. I take business classes, I take technology classes, and particularly in today's industry, it moves quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's new competitors every that get introduced on a quarterly basis. So if you're not keeping that sword sharp, Mm -hmm. uh, you're not, you know, you're not going to be successful. Back to this Concept of you get in a in a sink and and you get into this groove. That's typically what happens: is a company you're working for develops a technology or a solution that's particularly unique to the industry you're in, and you've got the ability to communicate it. And suddenly, voila, you're adding a lot of value to your customer. And these things go, but but preparation is key to that. You don't just magically get to that get to that point it's you're, you're constantly developing those skills and, and working towards that market timing.
0: It's funny, you are reminding me about when we did first meet, when you first started uh, on the team up in, uh, up in the Bellevue office, that yeah, we had multiple products that we could sell, but you sat down and you would come to the office every day and you would sat down and you told me, look, I'm going to take one product. I'm going to focus on this one product for the next. I don't remember if it was two weeks or 30 days, but you would study it every day go out to your sales calls and focus on that piece of it. Because your view was, look, I can sit there and try to be smart on everything and it could be a year from now and I'm not sharp on all of it. Or I can take one, get really good at it, get it, get it in a groove and then go on to the next one. And I really do think that helped accelerate your onboarding and really you started to have success rather quickly.
1: I give that advice to people today, which is if you got a particular product that, that you feel is extremely relevant to the market, Learn that first, then use that as your bridge to uh, to go to to adjacent products, because once you learn how to sell that product, then it suddenly said suddenly you got this ability to say, oh, and by the way, I have this other product that integrates with that and it does these things and it, it creates more. It creates an anchor for the solution. But I do remember recall those days of, you know, and, and I do that on every new I haven't changed jobs in a while. I've been pretty stable. But every time I go through a new role, I start with this concept of, of first things first. Mm-hmm. Let's find something that I that resonates with me. Let me be able to communicate that in a way, that a manner that I believe in the solution. And customers, customers want sales reps to say with enthusiasm, hey, this will work. This is the solution for you.
0: I think I know the answer to this question, but how important is product knowledge?
1: So it's an all of the above question. I think it's, A, you got to know your specific products. But in this world where we have a lot of, where everybody's doing platforms or doing multiple products, it's understanding how to talk about how a particular product works within your platform. And then the third is every, in the tech industry, we're always going to bump into a multi-vendor world. So being able to explain how that product functions and adds value in a multi-vendor environment is is very critical. So I I really weigh product knowledge and customer knowledge on an equal basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Know your customer, know what your customer is trying to achieve, then turn around and be able to equate your product or your solution or your service in such a manner that it fits into their, you know, into their speak. Right. So it's it's not a switch is a switch. It's a, you know, you have this specific need and here's a networking product in the switching and the L2 switching space that makes absolute sense to you.
0: Well, you may think it sounds great. It's only relevant if it's applicable to, to the customer you're talking to. I mean, it makes Correct. Sense. Okay. So shifting gears just a little bit. So you've had over your career, you mentioned, you know, 30, 40 years of work and um, you've had some great years. And I know that you've produced consistently. Um, You know, what's what's the secret behind some of your production over that uh, career?
1: So there is I learned early on as a salesperson that sales planning and strategy planning is critical to success. So whether you have, uh, so for the general audience here, when I worked for Chris, I had 200 accounts. And so you didn't have an account strategy, you had a territory strategy, which is understanding that who in your territory spends money, who who are green fields, and having a plan to attack those different segments. Uh, If you have one single large customer, and I've had that as well, it's the same process. You have different buying centers. You have different business units. But if you don't have a strategy that says, this is how I'm going to approach this customer. Uh, here's the value messaging I'm going to use. Uh, here's the resources I need. It, it sets you it sets you up for success. Now, I'll get tell you a dirty secret. The strategy probably fails within 30 days, but that's okay. that The idea is, is you win in... With a set of metrics that you're going to try to achieve, to now you can do course corrections on a tactical plan. But all of these big deals, and I've had two really mega deals in my career, uh, were all based on strategy. They were all based on, you know, a, a set of messaging that went to executives, went to financial people, went to technical people, and it was the same message, but told in told in a way that it resonated with them not in the way it resonated with the company that I work for
0: yeah I mean there's two you know two roughly two sales motions you have more of your commercial you've got a lot of accounts in the territory and you need that that territory plan um and you create a uh, you know right now we're a lot of companies are in that planning phase this is being recorded in december so they're thinking about 2022 and I think if for a rep like that you know you you can't map out exactly every customer that's going to buy but you should you know kind of put your Put your dart board up and think that, all right, well, I'm gonna get 70% of my number, maybe 50% of my number from you know these accounts. So you'll call your shot and then have some strategies around those accounts. And then what's that broader territory plan to go close to the gap, right? Your marketing plan, your pipeline building plan. And then on the enterprise side, I think what I heard you say is it's it's really a, a campaign for that account. The strategy, the people, the messaging. And by the way, it's just not Jack Morrison, right? I'm sure you have a team around you. It all has to be aligned. So could you actually touch a little bit on team selling? Because I think that's becoming more prevalent nowadays.
1: Okay, so let's talk about teams. So there are really three different components of the team. There's your own people who carry your own badge. Then there's partners. And I'm sure virtually everybody today is using a partner-based strategy. And then there's ecosystem partners, meaning alliance partners that, that, uh, that you routinely do go to market to. Obviously, you, you don't use the same engagement with all three, but what you start with is on your, uh, on your own internal team, you have technical resources, you have sales resources, and you better have executive resources. So anybody looking for some secret sauce here, get your executives engaged in all of your sales campaigns. Uh, That can be your DSM. Certainly, I worked for Chris. Chris made a number of sales calls with me. You want your regional, your second level, you want your third level. And for certain strategic accounts, you want either your CEO or CTO level in person. But again, you don't just turn those people loose. You have the strategy. You make sure you communicate what the strategy is. And you create this, this message. The partner piece is an ecosystem of that. The partner has other goals in mind that they need to make. Uh, they need to sell services. they need to sell their own branded services, or they need to sell third-party gear that fits into the solution. And, th- and obviously, they got to work from a gross margin perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, be cognizant of that. Participate in that conversation. Take care of your partners. You know be a realistic. partner will say, "I want to make some huge gross margin got to look at them and say, the space is way too competitive to do that. Um, But make sure that when you build your strategy with your partner, that you understand they have some, you know, they have some some goals they need to achieve. Same with the ecosystem partners. Now, typically with an ecosystem partner, they're looking for a joint engagement. So they want to sell an adjacent technology like a cloud product, maybe to what you're selling in the enterprise uh, or a hardware product that coordinates with a software solution you're selling or whatever. So again, in that case, you got to make sure you have a set of mutual goals mm-hmm. and that, you know, again, you got a strategy, you got a set of messages you're going to deliver. And uh, remarkably, all three of those engagements work. Uh, and, you know, and you want to, we do when, the, when I do an internal where it's just my team on the, on the, on the call with a customer. I remind them that there's other parties, the partner, the ecosystem. And so it's it's it, it creates a lot of what I call scale and mass to your solution. Customers suddenly going, it's not just Jack and Chris showing up with their happy smiles and their business cards. There, there really is a large solutions team involved in this transaction.
0: Yeah, you touched on something uh, that another guest had brought up and it, his point was, you know, the days of the sales quarterback is really, that's kind of an old school way of looking at it. It's really more, uh, it's like a hockey team, right? You have to be skating in unison with the same play in order to really be successful, you know, as a, as a sales team. Everybody has to be on that same strategy.
1: That's a great analogy. The, the one that I, and so I work for, I have a large scale team now, very, very diverse team. I use the term conductor of the orchestra, mm. you know, here's the piece of music. And so think of it as a jazz orchestra, you know, there's going to be some areas where you get to solo, you know, where, where you as an individual player get to be highlighted in this, in this conversation or in this engagement, but I'm still conducting the piece. We still, you know, I'm still controlling the timing and the, and the emphasis of the piece. Uh, And it works that that model seems to work pretty well, particularly if you've got a sales team, 30, 40 people.
0: I love the analogy. And that's great. Well, going back to the uh, executive uh, engagement piece, can you touch a little bit about how often you bring them in? Maybe some best practices when bringing them in that's worked well for you?
1: Um, Oh, that's a great question. So, listen, for for all the people who are getting early in your sales career, you're going to get a bunch of bad advice, which is. Oh, you don't want the visibility of your of this deal by your executives. You do want the visibility. You do want to bring them in. You do want them to be an active partner, and it'll make your life easier. It makes your forecasting easier. It makes inspections a lot easier. I use executives on a, on a monthly basis. Uh, now, I don't use the same executive. I use different business unit executives, different you know, different parts of the solution. Executives. It could be a professional services executive. It could be the general manager of a particular business unit. It could be the CTO of another business unit. But I bring them in with it, and we agree to a specific message, usually based on a customer need. Customer needs this. Let's, you know, and it, but it's always sell the platform. Let's let's make sure we acknowledge everything, and then let's deep dive on, uh, you know, what the customer wants. And let's be nimble. Customer could throw us a curveball. Uh, I've had an executive handle, an absolute curveball. Somebody got invited to the meeting that we didn't know was going to get invited. And this individual tossed us the biggest knuckleball ever. And my executive, but we were prepared for that. And the executive said to that individual, said, you know, I really didn't come prepared to, uh, to talk about that, but I'll, I'll give you an opinion. And then, of course, the opinion he gave was absolutely perfect. And this individual instead of and I mean, it was clear this individual was trying to get antagonistic and they went from being negative to an ally because they they went, oh, I agree with that opinion. And I, you know, let's move on with the prepared topic here. But I want to talk to you some more about it. You know, so created a meeting versus distracted from a
0: meeting. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, nice work. Man, how do I come get on your team?
1: <laughs> well, I was part of your team, you know, so it's. Uh, yeah,
0: No, that's really good stuff. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high-tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now let's get back to the show. Well, Jack, just shifting a little bit. So um, so you're working hard, You know, getting, getting some commission checks. You know, part of the you know, the message around this podcast is, you know, we have to go learn from the best in order to earn like the best. But then also, how do we take some of those hard-earned commission dollars to redeploy them to to make sure we're investing in our financial future and creating some future freedom? If you don't mind sharing, I'd be curious to hear, you know, how do you, uh, you know, once you make it, what do you do with it?
1: Oh, great question. So, I think that you, I think you need to be, have as rigorous a focus on planning on your personal life and your family and your investments as you do towards your business career. Uh, so rule number one is I went out and did a lot of education over various investment strategies and picked one that I think was that aligned with my interest and my and my knowledge. And so that's the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I started out investing in the market quite aggressively, both with my 401k as well as personal money. The market has become very sophisticated, and uh, and obviously, we started there started to be quite a large sum of money there. Uh, so I have brought in a personal financial wealth manager who has really helped me sit down and set um, a list of financial goals that I want to do. And so because of that, we ha- I have a very diverse portfolio of very stable investments. I'm a, I'm a little older probably than some of the audience here, so I am approaching retirement so I have some stable retirement and then I have some investment. I'm, I'm dabbling in Bitcoin right now, um, yeah. you know, to try to make sure that I stay on top of the, uh, of all the next generation investment cycle. I also think there's personal investments that and Chris, you and I touched on this when we were chatting personally, I paid for my kid's education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's an important investment that you can make in your family. You know, we're doing, um, uh, I don't go buy new cars. I mean, for those of you that like to go out and buy the hottest car out there, I mean, please feel free to do that. You should take some personal enjoyment. I don't. Uh, you know, I drive run-of-the-mill cars, and I drive them until their wheels fall off. But on the other hand, I uh, I also don't mind investing in some personal experiences. I've, I have mean, I've not made the Super Bowl yet, but I will. But I've been to a number. I've been to Stanley Cup finals. I've been to uh, uh, college football playoff games. I've uh, I've traveled the world. So, you know, sometimes investment is in your own personal growth and, and interest, but you have a financial plan at the end of it. I know you have a different and diverse plan in and, uh, and real estate. I'm in the real estate as well, but through market investments versus mm-hmm. direct investments.
0: Okay, like REITs and that
1: type Like of thing. REITs. Yeah. yeah. REITs are, are uh, if you bring in a professional financial person, you're going to find out that REITs are a critical. Component of what I would call a basic income model for a long term.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting. It's uh, I, I was interviewing somebody, you know, on the topic of uh, you know where you spend your money, and you know he had bought a Tesla and you know, when it first came out, and he's pretty excited about it. Spend 100 grand. And, you know, spent hundred grand, and now that he's reflecting back, and you know he's a little bit older now, um, he looked back and said, "Huh." If I hadn't bought that hundred thousand dollar Tesla, but I put that hundred thousand dollars into Tesla stock, I could be buying fifteen Teslas right I mean, that's now. That's correct. That so is- his point wasn't so much, you know, uh, advocating the market, but you know, an appreciating asset versus a depreciating asset. Right. Like-
1: and I drive, I, you know, I drive a twenty twenty Lexus, nice car. I could have spent, I could have spent way more and bought a nicer car. But what I have is, you know, everybody gets in my car, and goes, "Hey, this is a cool car." It was very affordable. And to you, back to your hundred grand, I put more than what i paid for the car into the market.
0: I love it. Well, so the other thing that uh, you touched on is you didn't say it, but you know, what you referred to is really, it's about balance, right? Right. You've invested in your time, your family, taking the time to take the trips. I remember when we were working together, you definitely took a number of vacations. I think even one international one uh, at one time and you can't be working now for some point to eventually then go enjoy life. You have to be doing it along the way. Otherwise, what, what's the point?
1: Yeah, COVID has been, obviously COVID's impacted all of us. But uh, in the height of COVID, I took a couple of weeks off. My wife found this list of obscure people, places that people didn't necessarily go to. And Craters of the Moon National Monument, if anybody's been there <laughs> in Idaho. Uh, and we drove there and I can't tell you how nice it was, how beautiful it was to get off these. We're driving on these roads that there were very little traffic and I rented a car with nice cruise control and, and great environmentals. And, but the bottom line is we still went on vacation. It's just my wife and I, we hit some nice roadside diners and greasy spoons. Uh, but we saw parts of the country that it, it, it was an experience. It was Again, it was soul impacting and, and was good to get away from the grind of COVID and being in the home office every day. Please, please, please take care of yourself. Um, and, and that's one of the ways you do that is reap the war rewards of being successful.
0: Yeah. I would love to get that list of obscure places to visit. And I'll, uh, I'll send Maybe it that's to you. something we can put in the show notes and, uh, You know, and just to wrap up on that, right, it's the health of the mind, the health of the body. If you want to perform at your best in your job, you have to take care of the whole package. Correct. Well, um, so Jack, shifting gears a little bit. So, I mean, I know you do more than work and do more than travel. I mean, what are some of the things that you do to give back in your community Um, and what you do?
1: So for all the sales professionals out there, we are blessed individuals. From an income perspective, from a freedom perspective, and it's good. For, it's not only is a good business to be able to be involved in charitable givebacks because your customers want to hear about what you do. Uh, it's good branding, and it's just good for you. Uh, and I've so I've been doing giveback forever from a fundraising perspective. There's plenty of underprivileged individuals out there that that uh, that a little bit of help will go a long way. I've been involved heavily with a group called Year Up. That's two words, Y-E-A-R space U-P. That's dealing with individuals who come from below the poverty line that are 18 to 24 years old and they want to get into the technology business. Mm. And so I've done personal mentoring. I've actually taught boot camps where I've come in and just talked about kind of like what we're doing now where I've talked about my experience uh, and, I, and I'm usually within a more structured model and I do a lot of one-on-one uh, interview prep for individuals who've never had a uh, uh, you know never had anyone really care about what their resume said or how they presented themselves. Uh, so I do that and then in general I seem to get a lot of re- referrals uh, to individuals who are in college now who just simply want to talk about the career so, I view it as as kind of my personal goal right now to make sure there is a next generation sales force.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you've not been following the press, there's, everybody's complaining about no one wanting to be a salesperson anymore. And I think that's because of the stress of the job. Uh, you know, there's this concept that maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a little too money focused, which to me, that's a good thing being money focused, but uh, <laughs> But, you know, I do try to go out, I do try to help people find find their center as to how they want to go approach the market, and, and I try to educate them about the reality of that. I am involved in a couple of others from a, so back to this financial concept, I do invest a percentage of my income every year into what I just call good of the, you know, humankind investments. Uh, So I do support an agency that works a lot with sex trafficking victims. Uh, I work with an agency that deals with homelessness. Uh, But again, in that case, that's mostly a financial model. But I do recommend that everyone go out, find something in your community. If you've got young kids, it's really easy. Uh, I was big in the YMCA as my kids came up. I volunteered to help the YMCA in multiple multiple, uh, uh, efforts. Uh, But... YMCA is just the tip of the spear. There's hundreds of different agencies that are kid oriented, coaching kids, baseball teams or soccer teams. Those are all ways to give back.
0: Yeah. And it'll, it'll morph over time, right? The That's correct. It's easy when they're, the kids are there because there's lots of people asking for help. And once they're gone, you know, there's, that opens up a whole different set of opportunities yeah. to go explore.
1: Yeah. My kids, my kids are not kids. They're adults. Uh, so it's uh, you know, so the so I needed to explore other ways to do it, but there are a number of uh, there's a number of areas where you can give back to, you know, less privileged individuals in our society and and be have a real impact.
0: Yeah, and one one plug I would give. So I um, I recently uh, I guess maybe in the last year joined a Rotary Club, and they happen to be the sponsor of the Boy Scout troop, which I was a Scoutmaster Master for. But once my son was out, I, I stopped doing that. And then I had, you know, I had the energy to go give back. So I was looking for something. So it just was natural for me to plug into that Rotary Club that really kind of owned our troop. And it's a great way to fast track some involvement because they'll, within that, within any Rotary group, they'll have 40 different charitable services they're involved with. And you can just kind of pick the one that aligns with what interests you, or maybe where you have the most value to give back. Uh, There's so many things out there, but that's just one idea if if somebody's looking for one.
1: And there is business value to it. I mean, I have been in executive meeting after executive meeting where the executive customer executive started talking about their involvement in the community. And if you don't have something that you can share, it's almost a negative. You know, it's the, uh, uh, and again, I think all of our corporations, I know you work for a great corporation. My corporation is very invested in community services. There is some business value to that. Customers go like, okay, you know, you're you you're a well rounded individual. You work for a really well rounded company, therefore you you kind of you've kind of made the grade in that piece. So let's let's go a little higher now in the conversation.
0: Yeah, man, we could take that into a whole other direction, and let's just touch on that for a minute, right? So when customers are receiving calls from a number of different vendor reps, you know, they could be cold calls, they could be warm calls. There's only so many hours in the day where they they want to spend working with a salesperson. And, you know, it's not about just doing the grind of go in, do the pitch, leave, right? You have to go build relationships. And part of building the relationship is being a well-rounded salesperson. The more that you have in your background going on, the more you can connect with any different customer. You know, you're going to find those little touch points where you can connect. And all of a sudden, you just opened up a whole new conversation, which then can lead to better rapport. Um, You know, it's a nice cycle that builds upon itself.
1: Yeah, we, I, um, I went through some significant sales training about what the definition of value. I, I won't go through the whole training, but there was a big emphasis on personal value. Personal value equates to trust. And you know you're developing personal value when a customer calls you and says, hey, this has nothing to do with you. I just want your opinion. Yeah, you know, t- Tell me what you think about this supplier or what do you think about this technology or where do you think this trend is going? what that tells you is okay i've kind of earned the the right to ex- express an opinion I, and so I, again i will give you a secret to all those people making those cold calls you got 30 minutes don't get caught in your golf game you know cuz you'll you know go in be ready to add some value there's the first thing i do is research what that what my customer or my prospects doing their recent press a lot of times when you show up and say hey I, you know before we get started, I saw you, we recently made this announcement. And that sounds exciting. What kind of business initiatives are you doing to support that? You know, immediately kind of gets the customer saying, oh, I, he wants to hear about me. You know, he's not here. to. And then you, then you can find a natural tie in that says, by the way, I've got products and solutions that I think would help you do that. Uh, but that's a bigger conversation than what we got in 30 minutes. You got to get to that next meeting and, and one of the ways you do that is by having that impressive first call. They have that customer say, you know, I want to hear, Chris, I want to hear your opinions on this. And that, I mean, that's, that's the way to get started.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is that risk for a salesperson. We get so wrapped up in wanting to talk about what, what we think is important versus what the rest of the world feels is important. So that's uh that's a great point. Well, Jack, um, You've shared some really valuable points and I really appreciate the time. Is there anything else that you would like to share with my audience?
1: Uh, so I know that there's people who listen to this podcast or are at different levels of your career. You know, I've been through all the phases. The first 10 years are hard and it's, and you really are learning the first 10 years to really get to the, to the level that you want. Second 10 years, there's, there's prone to have burnout. Uh, I've been, I've been there. Uh, and when you hit that burnout, it's time for a change and just be open and honest and disciplined. But what's funny is if you stick with sales, it's the world's most tra- transportable jobs. You know, I mean, you salespeople are needed in every industry segment out there, but if you get past that, that period and you put some legacy into it, it becomes a fun job. I mean, I, I have fun. I, you know, there's no. There's no dread about forecast calls. There's no dread. I mean, it, every day is a new experience. Um, and so I strongly tell you, stick with it and enjoy it. The other piece I'll tell you is I've had life can change on you really quick. I had a major accident that really impacted me. Uh, it really changed my mindset. You never hear me say I have a bad day yeah. uh, because I can tell you what a bad day feels like. and uh, can tell you the date of the bad day. So just don't do it. Put your, Get a positive mindset. Stay positive. Things go wrong. Customer gets upset. You know, just stay calm. It'll get correct.
0: Great advice. Really good advice. Well, Jack, if uh, listeners would like to reach out to you, how can they connect?
1: Oh, easiest way is LinkedIn. Just look me up under LinkedIn. You know, you're um, I'm the only Jack Morrison in, in Seattle, Washington out there. So please feel free to ping me. Uh, send a personal message. Tell me how you how you heard about me through, through this podcast. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn every day. I reply to every inquiry. Even these pesky recruiters who say, hey, you want to change jobs? I reply to them. I say, no, I've got a great job now, but I wanted to let you know I read your email. Uh, so I'm a big believer in open communication. So feel free to get me on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, yeah. Once again, great advice. Well, thank you. Well, Jack, uh, thanks again for the time today. And it was really nice to catch up. All
1: right. Good to see you, Chris.
0: Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating, and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.